District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm presenting my second of three interviews from SHOT Show for you all today. Hi everyone, Gabriella Hoffman here. As a friendly reminder, this evening, if you're interested, you can watch my speech at Florida State University live. That'll go live around 5.30 p.m. Eastern. If you're just curious, you want to know how I sound in person, you've never heard me deliver a lecture, here's your opportunity to do so. I talked about it in yesterday's episode, but that's a friendly reminder I wanted to push out there before you guys listen to my interview with former Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke, who is running again for Congress in the newly created congressional district in Montana. Zinke previously served as a Montana congressman before now Congressman Matt Rosendale. Zinke served a little bit of time in Congress before President Trump selected him to be the first Montanan to be at the helms of the Department of Interior. This is an interview I've been wanting to get for many, many years, and I'm not exaggerating because of just so much back and forth. Nothing bad. It's just a lot of scheduling. You know how it is if you're trying to schedule a really important interview. But after, I believe it was like four or five years in the making, I finally have secured an interview with Secretary Zinke. And he and I went into a pretty good discussion about what he did in his tenure, how he feels about the new Interior Secretary and her folks dismantling a lot of the good stuff they did. We talked about national monuments. We weighed in on Yellowstone and how accurate or not that is. We also talked about grizzly bears because that is a very, very important subject for those in Montana, if you live in grizzly country. We talked about why it would be ill-advised to abandon multiple use management of public lands and so much more. I don't want to reveal everything right now, so we're going to just bring you the podcast. How about that? All right, everyone, here is my exclusive interview with former Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke. Let me know what you think. Hi, everyone. We have another exclusive interview from SHOT Show in Las Vegas. I'm joined by former Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke. He was one of two Interior Secretaries at the Department of Interior under President Trump and the Trump administration. I covered extensively what you guys were doing. I got to speak to Secretary Bernhardt on several locations. So it's finally wonderful to chat with you about what's on your mind, your your race and, and conservation. Great to be with you. Well, I'm a little bit of a cheerleader late because I'm saying to my friends, like, America's fixable, um, but we're in trouble. Uh, I think most Americans realize that, but it is fixable it's within our power to fix it. But it's gonna take a lot of work and we have to take back our government, uh, and we have to be accountable and, and transparent. Uh, I don't know of a division, an agency, a department within the, the federal government that has the full trust and confidence of the American people. And we need to turn that around, hold, you know, hold people accountable. Uh, out west, conservation is a big, big deal. Uh, of course, we're at SHOT Show, where Second Amendment reigns supreme. You know, and the Second Amendment is not about hunting. It's about the ability of an individual to defend himself, his family, and his lifestyle. Uh, so that, that's an, an important part. Uh, conservation, you know, one, if you look back uh, in, in history, you know, Roosevelt, uh, the Clean Air, Clean Water, and, and, and Endangered Species Act was all Dick Nixon. Uh, and at the base of it is management. 
in, in order to be a steward of our public lands and our legacy, it takes management. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you can't just let it go, and, you, and it should be unacceptable that you have forest fires that are that are chewing up hundreds of thousands of acres, putting that uh, life's at risk, and in some cases, loss of life. It's destroy, destroying habitat, it's destroying watersheds, and yet you can't you can't remove a tree. Mm -hmm. uh, and you have the Teddy Roosevelt multiple use uh, management model, and then you have John Muir just leave, leave it alone. They're, the John Muir model of leave it alone in wilderness uh, works in some areas, but it can't be the model for all of our public lands uh, because what we're witnessing is a lack of management. And you kind of see that in the Biden Interior Department, actually. The successor to both you and Secretary Bernhardt seems to be moving the department away from that multiple use philosophy. And you kind of hear this chatter of them embracing a public use philosophy, kind of this preservationist no touch approach. How do you feel about what they're doing, kind of undoing what you guys did at the Department of Interior? Well, you know, public land belongs to the public, and access is important. Uh, and what we're seeing is uh, continuation of shutting roads down, limiting public access. You know, and a, a lot of Americans are elderly, so you, you just can't, you know, say, well, we're not going to, we're going to have roadless. Well. Uh, you have handicapped, you have, you, have, you have elderly, you have people that are that don't have as much mobility as they do. And having an, an access to our public lands is important because they belong to all of us. And, and this administration, I, I think, has the preservation part, um, but they don't have the recreation use part of, of the formula. You know, here in SHOT Show, there's a lot of conservations here, but it should be recognized that every time you buy a box of ammunition, a fish hook, a tackle, a portion of that goes to conservation. And the, the, the best conservationists are those that use the land and understand the importance of it, you know, hunting and fishing and recreating and snowmobiling. You, you, and the ranching community, those are our stewards of our public lands, uh, and they're under assault and attack in many cases. Indeed, and we're seeing, I've kind of examined into certain things, there's starting to be a lot of groups that exist. It's perhaps not in your purview, but you've probably heard that there are different organizations popping up to remake state wildlife agencies to move it away from the hunter and angler focus to kind of just this uh, backpack hiker focus, and they want to kind of undermine the Pittman-Robertson Act. That's something I think all of us should be concerned about. And we don't see sportsmen and women being elevated as much. I don't know if they continue the hunting and shooting sports board that you guys started or that you nominated people to. We haven't really seen an emphasis on sportsmen. They've kind of gave them a nod under their America the Beautiful Act. But we're starting to see sportsmen and women who are the biggest funders of conservation not really being at the table under this administration. Do you kind of see it that way too? I do, and some of it emanates from the, the idea that you can manage from D.C., mm -hmm. that it's about power and control from D.C. And I like to say, how do you think you can manage the Yellowstone River if you don't know where it is? Right. And your only context of Yellowstone is Kevin Costner, <laughs> uh, which, which, is, which is a great series, but it's, it's not really what it's like. In, I was going to ask you about that later, but that's interesting you brought it up right now. <laughs> it's it's well, magnificently well. Acted. I, I have a, a, lot, a lot of friends that follow it, uh, follow you know, in, in, in the series. But you know, management is, is best uh, well, is, is away from DC, 
Uh, and you, you look at our rivers and our streams, you know, how to manage it by ecosystems, watersheds, you know, rather than dictums uh, from, from D.C. That, that only want to view it from a beltway perspective. Mm -hmm. um, so what we did as Interior, we began to reorganize, you know, how we manage land mm -hmm. more along of a joint. So Fish and Wildlife Service works in concert with mm -hmm. uh, either the Forest Service or, or one of the agencies. So decisions are, are based on, on watersheds themselves mm -hmm. rather than an agency's mm -hmm. uh, point of view, mm -hmm. a single agency's point of view. Uh, I'm confident though that that we will restore America you know uh, obviously the politics uh, I think the Republicans uh, will retain or get the house and the majority and then we have to lead and then on conservation issues we have to take a leadership role articulate uh, why it's important to have on our forest prescribed burns late in the season so you don't have this catastrophic burns you know, taking forest fires as, as an example of managing it by multiple use and not single use right uh, you see the administration uh, you know looking at uh, hundreds of square miles of solar fields yeah and is there an impact yeah because when you have a solar field of that size you're not going to recreate on that land anymore there's, there, you're going to limit the habitat uh, to god knows what and so you're taking public land and you're making it single use mm -hmm. uh, whereas the multiple use uh, mm -hmm. model is best science, mm -hmm. best practices, greatest good for the longest mm -hmm. term. Mm -hmm. That's the American conservation ethic right. that Roosevelt and Pinchot started. That is the, is the model that we uh -huh. need to aspire to. The grizzly bear issue is so bears. buoyant. And your administration concluded with the best available science that also stemmed from the Obama administration that it was time to recover the grizzly bear, especially the greater Yellowstone bear, part of that DPS population segment. But we see this kind of volleying back and forth between delisting, relisting. I think the Biden administration, if I remember correctly, they relisted the bear as a threatened species, and now they want to only delist when all of the subspecies have re uh, recovered under their metrics. What are your thoughts on that? And I know the GYE states have filed a memorandum of understanding to get the bear back, but why are they playing politics with the grizzly bear, which has shown to be recovered? Well, and we should celebrate the success of the Endangered Species Act uh, did recover a species that was under duress. And there's been several species that have recovered. Mm -hmm. But then it's, well, well, we need a complete recovery. Mm -hmm. Or they change the definition of habitat to not where the species lives or has lived, but where they could live. Right. Uh, that's nonsense. You can take the same model to Central Park. Well, grizzly bear could live in Central Park, probably live very well for a while, <laughs> but I don't think we need grizzly bears or want grizzly bears in Central Park. Mm -hmm. um, the, the species ha has recovered, but now it's the, it's the next step saying, well, the, the specific DNA, we need to populate, and, mm -hmm. and, and some of these sub sub subsets are, are not as healthy as others. Mm -hmm. But the grizzly bear has recovered, mm -hmm. and let's celebrate success. And let's move assets uh, mm -hmm. over to some of the species that are, are under duress. Because mm -hmm. there, there are a, a lot of species that we do need to, to look mm -hmm. at, focus on assets. But those that have recovered, celebrate the success, mm -hmm. uh, but in many cases, whether it's the Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act, or Endangered Species Act, they're being weaponized mm -hmm. uh, in, in some cases to prevent management. Right. Uh, and you look at the Yellowstone Basin, the, the scale of the forest fires, 
you know, a lot of it due to mismanagement. Right. Uh, and even our park system has wilderness inside, which is another layer that mm -hmm. only prevents, you know, stewardship, management, make sure you can remove trees. Mm -hmm. uh, and within the charter of, of the Parks Act mm -hmm. itself, uh, you can manage. But when you put another layer of bureaucracy, your mm -hmm. hands are tied, mm -hmm. uh, then, then it becomes what, what we have today is what I would say gross mismanagement. And it puts a lot of our public lands at risk, mm -hmm. watersheds, mm -hmm. you know, these large-scale fires. And again, uh, loss of life, loss of habitat. Did your administration have to deal with a lot of sue and settle cases? I know a lot of the environmental groups were trying to sue the agency for implementing different policies. They've been actually continuing with the Biden administration to sue against the expansion of uh, Fish and Wildlife Service lands to prevent hunting and fishing opportunities under, you know, you know the, the arguments there. But was that a big concern, a big obstacle to implementing a lot of the policy changes you well, guys wanted? Well, what we found is the previous administration, I thought, was abusive in public funds. Uh, they would oftentimes uh, have a regulation. Uh, sometimes they would offer a lawsuit. A lawsuit would, would take place, mm -hmm. sue and settle, and then the settlement itself would be sealed. Huh. So the, the, it was a funnel for money from some of these nonprofits. Uh, we had billions of dollars worth of grants that were going out the door without accountability, without any follow-up. And I took a lot of resistance because I said on, on the grants, I just need to know where the money's going, mm -hmm. what you did with the last money mm -hmm. uh, on it, and make sure that, it's, uh, that you can do an audit to make sure that the, the taxpayer has some degree of certainty that when, when money is authorized by Congress and a, a de department then executes that, that the money was spent uh, mm -hmm. for the congressional intent. Mm -hmm. uh, but there, there wasn't any tracking system with it. There was a lot of inside baseball that, yeah. that wasn't correct. So you had sue and settle, the billions and maybe even hundreds of billions of dollars, no one knows, mm -hmm. was going out the door. You had grants that were going out the door in, in, inappropriately. And it comes back to, if you're going to trust the government, you should be transparent mm -hmm. and you should be held accountable. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, in D.C., I found, uh, you know, 94% of D.C. Uh, voted for President Biden. Uh, and so when you go into an apartment, the folks behind the desk, 94% are in the opposite party. Did you encounter a lot of holdover resistance from uh, Obama's administration? Well, well there was, a, you know, there was a... a, a a, a portion of of folks that are working in D.C. that are part of the resistance movement that would make false allegations. Mm -hmm. You have the cancel culture that would. You were harass. one of the first victims of that. I remember. Oh, yeah, absolutely, an onslaught because they would do anything to stop us. Mm -hmm. And uh, an issue that we're going to have to face is D.C. itself, the entrenched bureaucracy. Uh, President Trump calls it a, a swamp. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And this is this is one area where President Trump and I vehemently disagreed. I said, Mr. President, I'm, I'm Secretary of Interior. There are some beautiful swamps. You know, <laughs> Louisiana has beautiful swamps, Mississippi, the Carolinas. D.C. is not a swamp. It's a sewer. He goes, I've already branded it. Uh, but, <laughs> I think I remember that, yeah, yeah in, uh, early in your tenure, yes. But a lot of it is, is how, to, how to bring accountability back. Uh, and articulate the policies, you know, fairly. Mm -hmm. But we have a, a media to a degree that either manipulates or censors or, or echoes uh, in an administration policy. And in many ways, 
the deep state or DC, the social media that's all emanating from San Francisco, uh -huh. you know, they're one and the same. Right. Uh, and there, 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 there's, there's, there's no difference. So I think American public is figuring it out mm -hmm. uh, that pretty you know, American Americans are, are clever. And, and eventually, if you if you if you lie frequently, mm -hmm. you know, wait a minute. The, it, this is why we don't trust uh, the institutions of our government because they haven't been worthy of Americans' trust. Mm -hmm. Absolutely fixable. Absolutely fixable. But we're, but we're going to have to work hard to, to get it done. An issue that. You don't really cover fairly, but I've examined the National Monument issue, and I've tried to offer kind of a sober examination into it. And I remember the Patagonia headline, Trump has killed public lands, or Trump hates public lands, or destroying, I forget the exact phrasing of it. But I remember that billboard and how you guys were all painted as anti-public lands, especially in wake of your review of National Monuments. The conclusion of your review didn't eliminate the three controversial monuments and place the two in Utah, and I forget if it was the one... Uh, uh, one of the marine staircase. ones. Yep. And uh, you guys just shrunk the monuments. And we now see that Biden is restoring that. That's a very controversial issue in Utah. I know a lot of Utahans were very upset by the restoration of those monuments and actually how um, those can create obstacles actually for uh, public access, which you can expound upon. But um, National Monuments, do you see any reforms happening with that? Well, kind of stemming from your review? Uh, the authority for a president to to initiate a monument. One, it doesn't change public land ownership. So you're taking federal land and you're putting it in a different category called a monument. And it comes under the Antiquities Act. And by law, uh, one is you need, need something to protect. Uh, historic, uh, geologic, you know, a battleground perhaps. So you need some object to protect. And then that object has to be on federal land. It can't be on private or state land, federal land. And lastly, smallest area compatible with protection of the object. And what occurred in the Obama administration is, in the case of Bears Ears, 1,500 square miles. Mm -hmm. And so the management then of, of 1,500 square miles uh, then becomes on the proclamation. And it put hunting fishing, uh, traditional use, all at risk. Mm -hmm. and, and it was done with no coordination uh, from the state of Utah. So the people that would use it most often, they didn't have a say uh, because it was being emanated from a political group you know, outside. And shame on Patagonia. Uh, shame on Patagonia. If they really cared about the environment, Perhaps they wouldn't manufacture in China, <laughs> where you know 90% of the world's plastics comes from four rivers in China, and they pay child wages. So if you if you if you want to be really environmentally you know a champion, manufacture in the United States, where our regulatory system uh, demands that you you do it right, you 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 follow the the regulatory framework, and you pay a decent wage. But yet you have these green decoys that that raise their hand and they lie. Uh, they lie to the, the public, they, they lie to their constituency, and it's a shame. There wasn't one square inch in the review that, that left public ownership. Mm -hmm. It was just how you use it. Mm -hmm. and, and when any president abuses the law in establishing a monument, um, they should follow the law. And the law on the Antiquities Act, it's pretty, pretty simple, it's less than a page. Mm -hmm. 
And, and I think you should coordinate with the states uh, and you should coordinate with the stakeholders to make sure if you're going to have a monument, follow the law and make sure it's in the best interest of the people that would use it. Yeah, I think now it's in Congress's court to to reform it. To And I think the Supreme Court may weigh in on the issue. I think John Roberts has said, like, we need to maybe fine-tune or address this issue at some point. So maybe they will restrain the presidential authority. So that'll be interesting to see if they do that. But that's an aside from it. Uh, let's talk more about your congressional campaign. So Montana is getting now two congressional districts, and you're running in the newly created one. Right. Could you explain what that territory looks like and how the campaign is going so well, far? Well, Montana... Uh, Previous, we had two congressmen at one at one time. Uh, when I was in the House, it was Montana at large, only one. So Montana's population uh, got to the point where now we have two. So the, the state was kind of divided. Uh, the western half is uh, competitive. Uh, in this election, is probably Republican-leaning. Uh, the other district on the east is uh, heavily R. You know, in, in politics, it's, you know, R plus. Mm. This one is probably R plus 100. Uh, but we're one state, and the issues we face as Montana, the issues of the grizzly bear on the west are very similar to the sage grouse mm -hmm. on the east. It's federal management mandates that, that rub against the grain, uh, that actually probably do, in many cases, more harm than good. It's about power and control in D.C. versus input and coordination with the state and communities. Uh, those issues. But, but Montana has an opportunity to have twice the influence, uh, if wielded correctly. Uh, I'm a believer that America is fixable, um, but we're going we're gonna to have to lead. Uh, and part of leadership is address the division in this country. I think the biggest threat facing the country is not Russia, China, or even Iran. It's the division in the country. And the division's real. There's too much anger, too much hatred directed towards other Americans. Uh, a great country like ours can't survive with a division when, it's, when it's, there's so much hate. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're going to have to look at what as a nation is worth fighting for. It's limited government, self-determination, and protection of constitutional freedoms. I think most of Americans would agree with that. Uh, but we also have to address those that feel like they don't have the same opportunity as you and I. Uh, and I'm all about helping people get to the ladder of success, you know, help them on the first rung, but they have to climb the ladder themselves, but they have to have the opportunity to, to get to the first rung. So we need to address a lot of issues within our country. We have borders, inflation, out-of-control spending. All of these are fixable, but we have to address them as red, white, and blue as Americans because we all rise and fall in the same tide. Let's touch briefly on the Yellowstone program that you talked about. A lot of people started to catch on because it is filmed in Montana. It showcases a lot of themes that actually relate to policies you've worked on that I try to cover at length, and a lot of people are really curious about the West and Yellowstone National Park, the confluence of developers and environmentalists and Native American interests. And I know the show is obviously very dramatic, but have you watched the show? Like, do you think that it highlights positive things? Like, is it accurate about Montana? Obviously, it's not that gruesome in terms of murders. <laughs> That's certainly dramatized. But what are your feelings on that and people learning about Montana through the show? I think the vistas are magnificent. By the way, the, the first couple of seasons were not filmed in Montana. In Utah. They were, they filmed, were filmed in Utah, Utah. yes. Uh, they, they've since then moved outside of Missoula. So I think the vistas are great. It's fiction. Of course. Uh, but what makes it compelling is it's so well acted. 
I, I, I think the production and, and the quality of, of acting is superb. So it draws you into a, a story. Is it like Montana? Uh, you know, it has a reflection of it. <laughs> it, it it's not exactly like Montana oftentimes. I mean, uh, Montanans would not put up with dynamiting uh, a watershed and diverting a river. Uh, you'd be thrown in jail mm -hmm. uh, on that one, as, as an example. But I, I think the series is, is great entertainment. Uh, the, the vistas, again, the, the outdoors are, are splendid. A lot of and conservatives like that it's not woke. That's why a lot of people it, have been starting to gravitate towards it. And, 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 it, and it is well acted. Uh, Kevin Costner, uh, throughout his career, and, and really the entire cast, you know, I, I applaud them. They found a magnificent cast, and I think the, the characters themselves are, 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 are fun, great entertaining. Uh, bravo Zulu. And let's end by talking about what are some of your favorite places to go fishing or hunting in Montana that you want everyone to know about? Well... You know, say, well, I want everyone to know about... Uh, well, not exact but proximate, but... I would say, you know, for me, yeah. I grew up in the Flathead. Uh, so the Bob Marshall Wilderness is close by some of the greatest, most beautiful uh, areas. And quite frankly, uh, most recently, I, I drove to the district. That, that we drove down to Las Vegas. And uh, I'm a little biased, <laughs> but my district uh, that I'm running for, I think it's the most beautiful district in America uh, from... Glacier Park up north, uh, you, you go down through the, the Bitterroot, all the way down to, to Beaverhead County and Dillon, absolutely magnificent, beautiful country, and great, and great people. Uh, my district has two universities, it has the University of Montana and the Bobcats, so the Grizz and the Bobcats are both in. Uh, we have a couple Indian reservations, uh, the Black, Great Blackfeet Nation is in, the Selwish Kootenai are in, and then uh, a little down south, we have the cattlemen down at, down in, in Dillon. So it has a, a spread of what I think is the, the best of Montana. And, uh, yeah, but I, I think Montanans are a little libertarian. They're not liberal. They just don't like to be told what to do. And there's a sense of great patriotism uh, with Montana. But they also believe in, a, in America and the values and are willing to fight for it. And where can everyone connect with you to keep track of your race? Support well, your candidacy. Follow us on uh, ryanzinke.com. Uh, I'm also chairman of Seal Pack, so if you want to look at it, we uh, seal there's seven seals and five green berets all running, and every day we get we get more uh, that want to run and, and serve our, our, our nation. So sealpack.org uh, on the Seal Pack, and then follow us on ryanzinke.com. And if you uh, like Yellowstone, we'll, we'll make sure our you know our our our, our site. We highlight some of the most beautiful country, and, and we will put uh, fishing spots, uh, you know, f for you on the site. So Very uh, cool. your, your listeners will go, oh, well, that's fallryanzing.com. <laughs> this, this is a great little little hidden gem on fishing. That's wonderful. Mr. Secretary, it's such a pleasure to talk to you after years of trying to speak with you. I really appreciate your time, and good luck on your race. Thanks. And it is fixable. That's our country, and everyone yep. has to do their duty. So wonderful. thank you, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this installment of District of Conservation. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. Make sure you're subscribed to us on Apple Podcasts, our highest listening platform. And also find us on Spotify, which is also a popular choice, and wherever podcasts are played. If you ever have any questions, thoughts, concerns, go leave some reviews for us in 
these respective podcast players, especially Apple. And let us know what you'd like to hear or who you'd like me to interview next. We have much, much more content ahead in 2022. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.